Turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Chapter 2. I heard some people go, Revelation? He's going to the end of the book. Revelation chapter 2. You know, it's, it's funny what God does sometimes because I had something all mapped out for you today. I had something totally different planned out. I, my intention was to go back to a series we started a couple of weeks ago where we were dealing with tough questions, solid answers. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about something called the moral argument today. Amen. We wanted to determine whether morality is objective or subjective. And I wanted to deal with that. Amen. Uh, but then the Lord messed up my little plan. And the Lord told me, I need you to go in this direction today. And when he told me that, I said, you know what? A ministry here at the church had a meeting about this, this Friday. So I, we don't really need to deal with that, Lord. <laughs> and the Lord said, no, I need you to go in this direction. And so I'm going to piggyback, perhaps off of some of the things that were said on Friday. I was not there, amen, hallelujah. But the Lord put it in my heart today to talk about marriage. And so I'm going to do it. Amen. And I hope that you're ready to receive in this place. I believe that God's going to help somebody in here. Amen. One of the things that the enemy is attacking the most in the day that we're living in today is marriages. The statistics do not lie. Amen. And so we're going to do it. Is that all right? Let's go ahead and do it. Revelation chapter 2. I know thy works. This is Jesus talking to the church. And thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst bear them which are evil, thou, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. What does that got to do with marriage? Just hold on. And has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. In other words, you're hanging in there. You have not given up. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou has left thy first love. I want to read that one more time. That's where I'm going to hang my nail. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou has left thy first love. Jesus is talking to a church, but how many of you know that the Bible calls Jesus the husbandman and the church the bride? So he's talking about an intimate relationship and he's saying, listen, you haven't given up on me. But you're just going through the motions. And Jesus later tells this church, you've lost your first love. You've lost your passion. Your love for me is not burning hot like it used to. And then he says, get it back. Get it back. And so I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject, the danger of flying on autopilot the danger of flying on autopilot let's go to the Lord in prayer father in Jesus name we worship you and glorify your name add blessing to your word now and minister to everybody in this place under the sound of my voice let them leave edified encouraged equipped and empowered to move forward hallelujah never to become a statistic but an example hallelujah of your design called marriage and we thank you for it in Jesus name and the church said amen and amen let me start with a statement marriage is amazing wow it's gonna be rough Lord 
I can tell already. Hallelujah. I got like three amens on the left side only. I'm going to have to, I'm going to be leaning over here. Marriage is amazing. Hallelujah. Let me give you a paradox or two on marriage. Here we go. Attraction or distraction? Attraction or distraction? Marriage, watch this, can enhance destiny, but at the same time, marriage can destroy destiny. Let me give you another one. Beautiful, ugly. How many of you know that marriage can be beautiful? But how many in here could be real in the house today and testify that it could get ugly? Amen. This is going to be an interactive service today. Watch this. Marriage, the source of all joy or the source of all frustration? Marriage is a dream. I ain't getting no amens there. I said, marriage is a dream. Yeah, I just, somebody, thank you. <laughs> but it can also become a nightmare. Oh, I got amens on that. Hallelujah. We're going to be in trouble today. Lord, hallelujah. My God. You know, I just, <laughs> I just, I just recently found out, church, I'm being transparent. I just recently found out that I have a problem. I have a problem. I, you know, and I don't know if you have this problem, hallelujah, but I, I have this problem, and, 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 and it's, called, it's called cover pulling. Now, stay with me. It's called cover pulling. I've been accused on occasion by my own spouse for pulling the covers. And every time she tells me, you know, you pulled the covers. You pulled all the covers. I always say, no, I didn't. And so she would add and say, yes, you did. And I would say, no, I didn't. But anyway, after a, a couple of uh, episodes where we went back and forth, <laughs> I told her, listen, at the end of the day, you cannot hold me accountable for things that I did while I was unconscious. I was actually having a, a meeting with a couple recently where we talked about this, and I told the couple, I'm going to have to preach on this. And you know what? Ever since then, the Lord has not left me alone. And so that's why I'm preaching on it. Hallelujah. So watch this. Watch this. I said, you can't hold me accountable for stuff that I do when I'm unconscious. Amen? And so, I, listen, I'm, I still don't think I'm doing it. One night, one night, I wake up. I'm awakened by the fact that I'm really cold. And I'm really cold because the covers are off of me. And so my first impulse, my first thought was, oh, that's how you want to play. I said, that's how you want to play. You just want to pull the covers off of me in the middle of the night. So I'm thinking because I was cold, I need to go use the restroom. But when I come back, I'm going to pull the covers right back off of you. To my surprise, because it was dark, when I get off the bed and my feet touch the floor, I feel something soft on the ground. You know what it is? It's the covers. <laughs> on the floor, 
on my side of the bed. And at that very moment, I realized that I do have a problem. I am a cover puller. And I am guilty. Listen, I said that to say this. You're going to see this dynamic often in marriage. Because in the beginning, we are tremendously focused. In the beginning, we are tremendously sensitive about the other person. In, in the beginning, we're not just worried about uh, having a good experience ourselves, but we are concerned with our loved one having a good experience as well. And as it pertains to anything that has to do with you, you want to make sure that she has a good experience also. That is usually the case in the beginning, but for some reason, a little bit of time lapses and that changes. And it changes when we make this mistake, when we get comfortable in the other person's love. I said when we get comfortable in the other person's love, where we just automatically assume we are right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, we're more concerned with the kind of experience we're having only, and we're not as concerned about the experience that our spouse is having. Amen? Do you know that there are airplanes today that are so advanced because of technology that you basically just have to drive that thing on the runway, click a couple of buttons, and the thing almost, almost takes off by itself. And then watch this, what we normally do, uh, like a pilot, is that the pilot gets to a certain altitude, and once he reaches a certain altitude, you know what he does? He hits this little button, and that button is called autopilot. And so once he gets to a certain height, he hits autopilot and just expects the plane to just do the rest, and expects the plane to cruise. And I just want to submit to you that that is a mistake that we often make in marriage because we're real good in the beginning and we'll work really hard to get that thing off the ground. Come on, somebody. We work really hard to get that thing off the ground. Once we get to a certain place, all of a sudden we press that button too. We hit autopilot and we just expect the relationship to go ahead and coast and cruise on through by itself without any aid from me. Are you with me in this place so far? Can I give you some information? Let me give you some information, some things that I've learned, amen? Most of the plane accidents that occur happen when the autopilot is disengaged. Now, here's what, what you might want to say. You might want to say, uh, well, then maybe we should leave it on. But let me help you understand that a little better. The reason the autopilot disengages is because they entered into turbulence, and so here's what you have to understand about autopilot. Autopilot can fly, but it can't fly through turbulence. And so that when the winds come and the storms come, autopilot disengages, which means that at that point, you have to grab the wheel. But what's been happening, watch this, and it's been proven, is that a lot of pilots today have been so used to flying on autopilot that when it comes time to have to maneuver the plane themselves, they don't have enough skills 
to handle the storm, to handle the wind, or to handle the turbulence. Listen to a quote, hallelujah. Uh, we have shifted so many of the responsibilities of the cockpit to computers. And now the pilots are losing their edge and without actual flight experience or practice, pilots develop what the aviation experts call skill fade. Skill fade. And if your spouse is sitting next to you right now and they're taking notes, or even if they're not taking notes, look at them real quick and just say, skill fade. It's what he said. Skill fade. Watch this, a rusty pilot is more likely to make a mistake in an emergency. And so watch this, you're flying on autopilot, you hit some wind, some turbulence, autopilot disengages, and now you have to fly. But since you're so rusty, because you've been flying on autopilot for so long, you are in trouble. Because you don't have the skills to navigate through that storm. If you're in this place, shout glory. So watch this. Pilots have become accustomed to watching things happen and being reactive rather than being proactive in the relationship. Another thing that happens, watch this. When, listen, when you go on autopilot or hit autopilot, you become distracted. You take your hands off the wheel and you tend to relax. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pilots have been known to open up a magazine and just start reading and relaxing. And they've been known to do other things I'm going to talk about in a moment. But watch this. But when I'm flying the plane, well, not me because I don't fly planes. But, but when a pilot is flying a plane, he is focused. He has his hands on the wheel, right? And he is watching all the instruments very carefully. He is very sensitive to everything that is transpiring and going on on that plane because he knows that if he pulls up too much or pulls back too much or pulls a little bit to the side, that whole thing is moving. And so he's very focused when he's flying it. But the minute you hit autopilot, you get distracted. Are you in this place? You don't have to shout amen, I'm coming. You lose awareness. If you fly your marriage on autopilot, you can lose your awareness of your spouse and lose your skills to navigate. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. We reach a certain altitude, we're good. We get to that altar, we say, I do, yes. And then the work ceases. The same energy you used to put in to get to that altitude is not the same energy you're putting in to maintain that altitude. Are you in this place? No, oh God, help me in here. Can I just submit to you? If your marriage has been flying on autopilot, hear the word of the Lord. Disengage now. Disengage now. Put your hands back in there. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? No marriage can fly itself. It requires human input. 
I said, no marriage can fly itself. It requires human input. Can I submit to you that when it comes to flying a plane, you need two pilots. When we're talking about these big planes, and marriage is a big plane, by the way, hallelujah, it requires two pilots, not just one pilot, a pilot who is perhaps the captain, and then it requires also a co-pilot. One of the worst mistakes that you can make is let your spouse fly that plane by themselves. I said one of the worst mistakes you can make is allow your spouse to fly that plane by themselves. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. Ooh. You can't just assume that that thing is going to keep on coasting. Listen, because watch this. If it's not turbulence, understand that planes run out of gas. I said they run out of gas. They need fuel to run. Your marriage needs fuel. To continue to soar, hallelujah. You can't just assume that it's just going to continue to fly by itself. It will run out of gas. If you're in this place, shout glory. Ooh, my God. It is a two-pilot plane, a two-pilot journey. Flying the plane is the most important thing you can do, especially if you value the other lives that are on the plane. I said it's the most important you can do is fly it, especially if you value the other lives that are on that plane. In this case, those other lives will be your children. Are you hearing this preacher? Have you ever been on a plane? And I don't know if this happened, but if, if, if it hasn't happened, just cater to me for a moment. Could you imagine being uh, near the front of a plane where the cockpit is, right? And you're already in, in mid-flight, amen, and all of a sudden... Uh, the pilot comes out of the, the cockpit and he starts kicking it with the stewardess. And these, they're talking, laughing. And if, if it's me, I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, as long as one guy is still in there, right? Or another person at least is still in there. But then about five minutes later, you see the other person, the co-pilot comes out. And the co-pilot is just kicking it with the, with the, with the passengers. And so now nobody's in the cockpit. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? The plane has autopilot, right? plane has autopilot. And I'm good. I'm good for about 10 minutes. But after about 20 minutes, I'm thinking to myself, somebody needs to get back in there. Uh, they need to check the instruments. They need to just make sure that everything is is everything. Somebody needs to get back. And something starts happening to me. I don't know about you, but to me, I start getting a little anxious because nobody's flying the plane. That's exactly how your children feel. That is exactly how your children will feel if nobody is flying the plane. It will affect the lives of the people that are on that plane. When you are not attending your marriage, that is how your children will feel. And the autopilot, I told you that when you hit a storm, will disengage. So could you imagine autopilot disengaging while none of them were in the cockpit? By the time they get in there, it would probably be too late to recover. Are you hearing this preacher? Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you for the next minutes that we have together on how to keep your marriage flying high. Because it's one thing to get it up there, but it's a whole other thing to keep it up there. 
I got somebody talking back to me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So let me give you a little flying lesson. Can I give you a little flying lesson before we leave on today? Amen. Hallelujah. Number one, put it up on the screen for me. This is the first thing you need to know. Realize you can crash. Realize. As a matter of fact, I'll put it to you another way. Believe you can crash. Now, you want to sit there and tell me, I don't want to talk like that, Pastor, because that's negative. I got faith. I got faith. Let me help you in here. Faith without works. Faith without works is dead. If all you have is faith without the work behind it, you got lonely faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So watch this. Realize, believe that you can crash. Don't sit there and automatically assume that you are right. Because it is those thoughts of invincibility where people assume, nah, that happens to other people, but that won't happen to me. People who think like that are usually the people it happens to. Don't assume that it cannot happen to you. Realize that you can crash too. Yeah, you can crash too. When you understand that you could crash too, you will be more focused. You will be more sensitive. You will watch the instruments and the controls carefully, hallelujah, because you're driving that thing. Are you blessed in here? Watch this. Pilots make typical mistakes. Let me give you a couple of examples. A typical mistake was not recognizing that either the autopilot or the auto throttle, which controls power to the engines, had disconnected. Sometimes, watch this, you can be so distracted that the autopilot disengages and you don't even know it. Others fail to take the proper steps to recover, watch this, from a stall in flight or to monitor and maintain airspeed. You got to keep that thing moving. You got to keep that marriage moving. I ain't getting no amens today. Hallelujah. Amen. Watch this. Here's another one. Poor situational awareness as well as an inability to use automated systems. It is thought to be the main reason behind a number of crashes globally in recent years. You become too comfortable in the other person's love. Let me give you a perfect example. Watch this. Uh, about some years ago, uh, near Buffalo, New York, a co-pilot of a regional airline programmed incorrect information in the plane's computers, causing it to slow to an unsafe speed, causing it to slow down. Now, could you imagine a plane just slowing down, slowing down? You know what's going to end up happening? It's going to go down. It slowed down so much that the captain, the pilot, didn't even recognize that it happened when the, the, the stall alert started making noise in the cockpit. Instead of pushing forward, he slowed it down more because he was unaware of what was happening. And in doing so, the plane immediately, because you can't play in the air, immediately went down. And the result, watch this, was that the plane crashed, killing 49 people that were on board and one person that was on the ground. And the problem is compounded by pilot fatigue. Listen, your marriage requires energy. You can expend your energy everywhere else and then come to your marriage with no energy. 
God, help me in here. Let me give you another example. In May 2010, tiredness was cited when an Air India flight crashed on approach to Mangalore, to, to Mangalore Airport and 158 people died. Incredibly. Watch this. The captain, Slatko Glusica, had been asleep for half the flight from Dubai and woke up feeling disoriented when it was time to land. When the cockpit recording equipment was examined, it was found to contain, watch this now, 110 minutes of silence. Broken only by the sound of snoring <laughs> and deep breathing. Get a close-up of me right here. Do not fall asleep on your marriage. It can crash. I said it can crash. Realize that it can crash. Number two. Respect the laws, watch this now, of marriage dynamics. Respect the laws of marriage dynamics. How many of you know that there are laws to aerodynamics? The laws of aerodynamics are right up there right now. Watch this. You have lift. You have weight. You have thrust. You have drag. Break any one of those laws, and you know what's happening to the plane? It's going down. Why? Because gravity don't care about you. God, help me in here. I say gravity don't care about you. Gravity will bring you down and destroy you and kill you. Gravity does not care. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Break one of those laws, and it's going down. Marriage has laws too. Oh yes. Oh yes. And when you break those laws, or those laws, the marriage begins to go down as well. Can I give you some of them? Amen. In the same reason there were four laws of aerodynamics, there are four laws of marriage dynamic. When I think about lift, lift reminds me of the first one. It is the law of priority. I said it is the law of priority. Apart from your relationship with God, you have to make the marriage a priority. After God, the marriage has to be first. Hey, nobody talking back to me. I said, the marriage has to be first. Hallelujah. When I do counseling, watch this. I do or I make couples do a priority list where they list at least from one to seven a marriage list of priorities for them not just to learn, but watch this, to prove. And then not just to prove, but to protect them. So always have them pen them. I always have them prove them. And I have them protect them because everything and anything is going to attack that list. Your God is a God of order. And as long as you put some parameters and some order in your marriage, God's going to put his hand on it and he's going to bless it. But if it's disorderly, if there ain't no priorities, then you leave openings for the enemy to come in and rain havoc in the relationship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me give you an idea of what a list looks like. My list is very simple. My first responsibility is my personal relationship with God. Before there was even a woman, this is me talking now, before there was even a woman, God walked with man in the cool of the garden. My first responsibility is my personal relationship with God. Then he gave her Eve. My second responsibility is my spouse. It's my wife. Numero dos. Number two, apart from my personal relationship with God, 
She's actually my first physical responsibility. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ooh, number three, then they had children. Don't make the mistake to make number three, number two. And number two, number three. I guarantee you, you will have issues in your marriage. But, but the ideology is simply this. Oh, now that we have kids, we can't live for ourselves. Eh. Yes, you got to take care of the kids. Yes, you got to do all you can. Love those kids. They're going to require a lot of attention. But not the expense of you losing your relationship, losing your passion, and losing your love for one another. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, those kids are going to grow up. They're going to get married. They're going to leave your house and start their own life. And guess who's still going to be in the house? You don't want to avoid each other for all that time and then try to come back 20 years later when the nest is empty. You're going to look at each other and be like, who are you? Prioritize. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Four, for me, is church. Notice how number one and number four are not the same. Number four is my church responsibility. Number one is my personal relationship with God. If I make four number one, somebody's going to experience what I call legitimate jealousy. Legit yes, 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 yes. I never want my wife number two and my kids number three, watch this, feel like they're in competition with number four. I know the order. I said I know the order. Hallelujah. Five would be career. Six, extended family. Seven, friends. Seven, friends. Seven is at the bottom of the list. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, 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 make, you, you make seven ahead of two, three, four, five, six, you're going to have issues. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Somebody shout priority. Hey Amen. I can't stay there. I'm running out of time. Second law, second law, which reminds me of these, hallelujah. Uh, the second one reminds me of the word thrust because it is the law of pursuit. Listen, the first one, the law of priority comes from a scripture in Genesis 2, 24 and 25. For this cause, a man shall leave. Leave means relinquish. The honor that he gave his parents, and now he gives that honor to his spouse. For this man, for this cause, a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife. And the two become one flesh, and they were naked and unashamed. There's four laws right there. For this cause, a man shall leave, relinquish. That's number one, the law of priority. The law of priority. Number two, cleave to his wife. That's the law of pursuit. Thrust, pursuit. Amen? What does that mean? That means, watch this, that you are to energetically pursue your spouse for the rest of your life. Oh God, have mercy in here. Now, not pursue them till you get to the altar. Not pursue them until you say, I do, and you go, oh, shoo, finally. Now I don't got to put in all that energy. No. Notice what he says. And he shall cleave to his wife. In other words, the pursuit starts after you're married. We got it twisted. Hallelujah. We pursue until marriage. But he said it cleaves. He grabs a hold of her and will not let her go. No matter what. That's what cleave means. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pursuit. Pursuit. You got to be on the chase. Listen, that word cleave also means to chase. 
And I like the fact that it's talking to the man. In other words, man, you're supposed to chase her. Your wife. And you're supposed to keep chasing her. But women, you have to remain chaseable. I said you have to remain chaseable because he'll stop, he'll stop running. When you, <laughs> before you got married, come on, somebody. You made sure the hair was tight. You made sure the clothes were right. If you had a car, you put that thing through the car wash. Before she got in it, you opened the door. You were careful about your words at the restaurant. You were a poet, and you were going to let her know it. Come on, church. You were careful. People like to, to, people say, it was chemistry. It, was, it wasn't chemistry, it was work. You put in work. It wasn't just chemistry. Biggest misconception of the world today is simply this, that if you find the right person, you won't have to work. That's a lie from the pit. Marriage is about work. And marriage will work as long as you work it. And the day you stop working at it, it will stop working for you. Listen. Listen, marriage is like exercise. Yeah, 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 yeah. The more you work, the stronger you become and the more attractive. The less you work, the weaker it becomes and the less attractive it becomes. And if you know anything about exercise, the more time you go without doing it, the less you want to do it. The more time you go without doing the exercise, Putting in the work, the less you want to do it. Are you in this place? It's work. Don't let the enemy convince you that the grass is greener on the other side. You're going to hop that fence. You're going to get over in that grass. You're going to find out that the same mess that was in your yard is in that yard too. It may even be worse. In my counseling class, I give an example of a woman, watch this, who, who bumped into a couple and the couple looks at her and says, oh my gosh, she looks great. She must have lost like 50 pounds. Oh my God, let's go talk to her. They go talk to her and they go, hey, you look fantastic. What's going on in your life? She said, well, I, you know, I got divorced. <laughs> I got divorced and I knew at that moment that if I didn't do something, I was never going to get another chance. And so the couple begin to think to themselves, so you mean to tell me you will put in all that work for a total stranger that you have not met yet, but you wouldn't put the work in to the person you vowed to spend the rest of your life with? Here's what you have to understand about marriage. Work is inevitable. You'll float on feelings for a little while, but the day where the work has to put in is coming. You might as well work where you're at. Y'all leaving me up here by myself, hallelujah. The law of pursuit. You, you got to pursue each other. You got to keep pursuing her. Oh, there's always some joker out there that will. Can I give you a new statistic? One third of all affairs today begin on Facebook. One third. Let me talk to Facebook. One third of all affairs today begin on Facebook. One half, one half of the divorce petitions 
in the courtroom have the word Facebook in it? One half. Oh, my God. Why? Because technology is a wonderful servant, but a horrible master. I said technology is a wonderful servant, horrible master. Law of pursuit. Got to keep chasing her. I've been married 21 years, still chasing. Still in hot pursuit. She's not here, so I could talk about her. Listen, number three will remind me of drag. Now, in order for drag to happen, it requires every part of the plane. Every part of the plane. Number three, watch this. And the two shall become one flesh. And the two shall become one flesh. It is the law of possession. It's where, watch this, there's no more mine and thine. But everything is ours. Everything is ours. It's not your money and my money. This is my money. This is your money. You don't need to be married. Oh, God. It's our money. It's my car. It's, your, it's our cars. It's my house. It's our house. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you get married, the two become one. Everything that you owned individually and separately, you now co-own jointly. Whatever you bring, both of you own now. So even if you're bringing debt into the relationship, it's my debt now too. You're bringing children from a previous relationship, my children now. I don't mean here. Some of y'all not liking this, hallelujah. My God, when, when you're really one, you don't even need separate accounts. I'm going to mess somebody up before we leave this place today. Hallelujah. I have one account. One account. Everything goes into the one account. Why? Simple word. Trust. Trust. You need separate accounts? You need to ask yourself this question. Do I trust my spouse totally with every aspect of my life? If you can't say yes to that question, you should not go to that altar. Are you in this place? If you're blessed, shout glory. glory. Hallelujah. Number four, watch this. And they were naked and unashamed. It is the law of purity. I said it is the law of purity. God designed an atmosphere for total nakedness. What I mean by total nakedness, I say I'm total openness. There's nothing better in a relationship to know that there's absolutely nothing to hide. I said nothing to hide. You don't have to look over your shoulder. If he told you, I'm going to the supermarket, he's at the supermarket. Because the trust factor is there. When the trust factor is not there, yeah, you say you're going to, let me see how long you're going to. That's a lack of trust. That's an issue in the relationship. Watch this. As long as they were in the garden and there was no sin, Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed. Intimacy was easy because there was nothing to remove. The minute sin came into the garden, the Bible says they grabbed fig leaves and they began to cover the private parts. The worst thing you want to do is be in a relationship with fig leaves.
in a relationship where you're hiding stuff, secrets, private things. Are you in this place? It's the law of purity. You have to protect that atmosphere. Are you in this place, church? Oh, I got to move on. Hallelujah. Woo. You have to be careful. Technology is wonderful as a servant, but not a master. If you can't put that thing down, it controls you. You can't put it down. It controls you. You got to be honest with yourself. Amen, somebody. I don't fear flying. Why? Because I know the laws. I don't fear divorce. Why? Because I know the laws. That doesn't mean I can't crash. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But I'm not going into it with fear because I know the laws. And if I uphold the laws, hallelujah, those laws are suspended on God's truth, which is 100%. Are you in this place, church? Let me give you the next one. Give you the next one. Refuel regularly and time your fuel. Let me give you some advice in here. Never trust the gas gauge. Never, never trust the gas gauge. Okay? You can argue with me that most of the time it's correct, but it can get stuck. And if you're in a car, that might not be so bad. But when you're 30,000 feet in the air, you need to know. Listen, the gas in the car, watch this. The car will tell you how many miles you have left. In the air, it goes by time. How much time you have left. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? How many of you have a car? Here's what my car does. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm going to tell you why I don't like it. My car tells me how many miles I got left before empty, but it does something really weird. When I get to about 20 miles, you got 20 miles left, it just, it goes blank. And now it doesn't tell me anymore. It won't tell me 19, 18, 17. It tells me up to 20. And then it goes blank. So now I'm just, you know, now I'm playing with that light. Have you ever done it? You play, you play with that light. <laughs> I think I got another couple blocks in me. I think I got another mile in me. And we do that with our marriage. Except you can't do that at 30,000 feet. Watch this. Most, most pilots will tell you when you land that plane, a good pilot has at least a half an hour left in the tank. You don't want to land that plane and find out you only had two minutes left in the tank. You know what that means? You were playing with your life. You know what that means? You're playing with your marriage. Look at somebody next to you real quick and say, don't play. Or, or stop playing. Say it with an attitude. If it's your spouse, if it's your spouse. You better stop playing. Can I say something else in here? Watch this. Marriage is God's product. I got to say that. Marriage is God's product. It is not the product of this world. Oh, God. God married Adam and Eve. Not this world. Have, okay, have you ever heard manufacturers talk about their products? Manufacturers will say something very interesting all the time. They say something like this. Uh, if you take this product to an unauthorized dealer, we will cancel the warranty. Listen, listen, listen. If you take this product to an unauthorized dealer, we will cancel the warranty. 
because you're taking it to another place to fix what only we can fix. What? what? Oh, God, help me here. So there is a lot of marriages out there today walking around with no guarantee. Because they've gone to unauthorized places to get someone to fix what only God can fix. Because God is the manufacturer of marriage. Are you in this place, church? If you're blessed, shout glory. Ooh, God, have mercy in this place. We do it all the time with our cars. We, we buy parts from... <laughs> Other manufacturers because they're cheaper because they're cheaper sometimes it is a little radical but sometimes the part is not even the right size because it comes from another manufacturer and you know what some people do they try to make it fit <laughs> they try to make it fit watch this and then it works good for about a week and then you start to see smoke. And the worst thing that can happen is that the smoke starts getting in the car. Keep going to the wrong places to get help for something that only God can fix. And then wondering why there's so much smoke in the car and you can't breathe. Are you blessed in here? Can I help you? When the Bible says that God walked in the cool of the garden with Adam, watch this. That cool of the garden is a place called Eden. Amen? And a lot of scholars uh, wreck their brains trying to interpret or define Eden because it has so many meanings. One of the meanings is order. Another definition uh, for Eden, watch this, is, is, is referred to as the spot. Archaeologist, uh, archaeology does, cannot find Eden today. They're trying to find where Eden was and they can't find it. Some scholars even say that Eden may have been a floating garden. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, Eden was more of an atmosphere than anything else. So watch this. Here's what you have to understand. The first thing that God gives man is his presence. Before he gives man a woman, he gives man his presence. That's why you're supposed to meet her in his presence. Woman, that's why you're supposed to meet him in his presence. It's amazing to me. How we think that we're going to go get a man outside of his presence and then bring him into his presence. That's not the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to meet him. It's quiet in here now. You're supposed to meet him in his presence. Are you in this place, church? Oh, God, have mercy in this place. Are you blessed, church? Mm. You know, the mistake that Adam almost made, almost made, was to choose something out of the animal kingdom. 
You know the story like I do. The Bible says that every animal had a pair. And so Adam looked at the animals and saw that they had a mate. And as he was looking at the animals, he said, where's my mate? Could you imagine what would have happened if he would have went into the, <laughs> into the animal kingdom to choose a mate? No, no, no. What happened was God said it's not good for man to be alone, put him asleep, and then he took a part of man, and he formed the woman, and then God brought her to the man, presented her to the man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you're blessed in here, shout glory. glory. Ah, Lord, have mercy in here. Ooh, God. So watch this. When we're talking about fuel, we're talking about what you need so that your marriage continues to fly high. You need fuel. Now, let me help you in here very quickly. Let me give you three fuels that you need. Number one, you need God fuel. I mean, that's what I was just talking about. You need God fuel. Can I be transparent in here? If I go two days without praying, if I go two days without reading my word, my whole personality, you're not talking back to me, I, my whole personality will begin to shift. Are you I need God fuel so that I can maintain my altitude. You don't hear what I'm saying in here, hallelujah. You're gonna need God fuel to maintain the altitude of your marriage. God needs to be the center of that relationship. Oftentimes it doesn't work because he is not the center. And so we put the onus or the responsibility on our spouse to fulfill us totally and they don't have that kind of power. Only God has the power to satisfy the longing of your soul. Only God. Amen somebody. You need God fuel. My God, marriage does not belong to the earth. Again, God married Adam and Eve. Do you not know that marriage was the first institution created? The very first. Genesis chapter 2. Before government. Before church. Marriage. That's why I don't understand why the government is trying to mess with an institution that's not theirs. It's not your product. It's God's product. Get your hands off of it and start making, start trying to make parts that don't fit. Uh-oh. Start trying to make parts that don't fit. Fit. It's not your product. It's God's product. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. You need God fuel. Number two, you need spouse fuel. You need spouse fuel. Can I tell you something in here? Marriage is about needs being met. All right, let me try this side over here. <laughs> Marriage is about needs being met. If the needs are being met in the relationship, you're going to have a strong marriage. The problems begin where somebody feels like their needs are not being met. When that happens, frustration sets in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The frustration often comes as a result 
of not knowing each other's needs. Watch this. He has needs. She has needs. The mistake that we make is to assume that his needs and her needs are the same. They are not the same. They are absolutely and totally different. Are you in this place, church? And so watch this. A lot of times, people have this attitude or this mentality that says, we don't need no marital counseling. We don't need no premarital counseling. All we need is love. And as long as we got love, we got everything we need for a long-lasting, healthy relationship. And most people that are divorced today will tell you we had love. That's why we got married in the first place. Because we did fall in love. That's why we got married. It wasn't a lack of love. It was a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You lack God's knowledge on marriage. It's his design. But you're going to the wrong manufacturer for parts. Are you in this place, church? You need spouse fuel. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Number one need of a woman. Number one need of a woman, security. Security. A woman likes to know that she's going to be safe. If I fall, he's going to catch me. And it's more than money. It's not just bring home the bacon. Man, you could be bringing home the bacon and everybody in that house still be starving. In another area. They could be starving in the area called affection. Are you in this place? Oh, my God. Can I have about five more minutes? Watch this. You got a boss. Most of us in here got a boss, right? You got a boss. Let's just say that your boss is mean. Oh, God. Let's just say you got the kind of boss, right, who always talks down to you. Never satisfied with your work. You can never do enough to please that boss. Could you imagine that kind of working for that kind of individual? Every time he comes in, he has nothing but negative things to say. You're not working hard enough. You're not doing enough. If y'all don't get it together, I'm going to start laying people off. And what, are you, what does that make you want to do? That makes you want to pull out the resume and update it. Why? Because there's no security. There's no job security here. I feel insecure. That's what we do to our spouses sometimes. If her number one need is security, God uses me to meet that need. It's not a want. It is her number one need. And so if I'm in the house talking down, you don't do this and you never do that. And where's my shoes and where's my dinner? And you are not helping her meet her number one need. Are you in this place? Security. Number one need of a man. You ready? Honor. Honor. You want to kill a man? Just talk to him. Incorrectly. You, you, we co- you, know, you, see, you see us, right? We try to be all macho and strong. But you know why we do that? To hide the very fact that we're weak in our ego. And if you really want to hurt me, all you have to do is make me feel less of a man. If I don't feel like the man, I'm in trouble. And so if you talk down to me and you dishonor me, listen, I was created in the image and in the likeness of God. Watch this. God inhabits the praises of his people. So a man will inhabit the praises that he gets from his wife. 
The honor that he gets from his wife. If he's getting honor, he's coming. If he's getting honor, he's drawn to you. If you talk right to him, he'll live right there. There won't be no other place he'll want to be. But if you dishonor him, you push him away. And if you dishonor him enough and push him away enough, there's always going to be somebody that'll talk nice to him. That does not justify, hallelujah, him doing the wrong thing, but I'm just saying. Are you in this place? Ooh. I could give you the second major need, but I'll probably just mess this whole meeting up. Second major need of a man. You ready? Nobody likes to talk about this in church, but I'm going to do it. Second major need of a man, sex. Listen to what I just said. Major need. Major, this is, I'm not making this up. This is statistically proven. This is information I've gathered. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not a want. It's a major need. He was built different than you. You want second major need for a woman? Second major need. Not sex. Non-sexual affection. Non-sexual. It's not that they don't want that. It's just not number two. They need atmosphere. They want to be romanced. God, help me in here. They're not like the man. The man, God, help me in here. You're, you're, you're in, I'm just going to be real. Help me, Holy Ghost. You're laying in the bed at night, and she reaches over and puts her arm around you. You interpret that one way. Don't leave me up here by myself. You interpret that one way. She wants me. That's how you interpret that. And, and she really doesn't. She just wants to be held. Ladies, help me out in here. <laughs> <Are you? laughs> but you interpret it one way only. Are you hearing what I'm saying? She's not built like you. The man is... Progenitor. In other words, he is progene. In other words, he carries seed. He is always ready. That's the reality. Because he doesn't have a cycle. <laughs> Women have a cycle. Which means they are not always ready. The earth has cycles. Amen. You have winter. During winter, men, you are out in the cold. Then comes autumn. Autumn is okay because things start to change. Amen? Then you have spring. Spring, things blossom. Spring is nice. And then you have summer. Summer's hot. But then you're back to winter again. What am I saying? They're built different. If I took you back to the days of Paul Bunyan, it's the only way I could explain it. Where the man had to work and the woman stood home. Remember those days? The man had to work. He was the provider. He had to go out, kill, and eat. While he was out hunting all day, God gives him a strong sex drive so that, watch this, he makes sure he comes home after a long day. Watch this. Since the woman is home, God gives her a less of a drive so that she can remain faithful while he's gone. 
we, oh God have mercy in here. We are built different for a reason. And so there has to be compromise. Amen? There has to be compromise. You all right? Third major need of a woman, communication. Okay, I ain't going to open that up. Communication. Women like to talk. Amen. No, no, no. Women are detailed-oriented. Amen. Even Satan knew that. That's why he attacked Eve in the garden. And he did it talking. He wasn't going to get very far with Adam. He used her to get to Adam. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah, Jesus. Number three major need of a man is kindred fellowship. Kindred fellowship. Woman, every now and again, do something with your husband that he likes. That's a major need for him. You're supposed to be his best friend. He should want to do it with you more than anybody else. I'm preaching better than you saying am, even though I'm out of time. Four major need of a woman. Fourth major need. I'm going to give them to you and then we're going to close. Fourth major need of a woman. You ready? Leadership. A woman wants to be led. I didn't say rulership. I said leadership. When you're a leader, you serve everybody under you. When you're a leader, you serve everybody under you. Your leadership only grows when you serve more people. You being the priest of the home don't mean you get the big chair just because you get the big chair. You have a responsibility to lead that home. Oh, God, help me in here. And, and, and the fourth major need of a man has to do with domestication. In other words, here it goes. A man's home is his castle. There's no better feeling than coming out of a hard day's work and coming into a place that feels like home. And a woman has a way to make a house a home. A woman has a way to do something in that house that the man cannot do that makes it a place the man just wants to dwell in. Are you blessed in here? I hope you were writing that down. Four major needs of a man versus four major needs of a woman. You meet, listen, you follow those four laws. You meet those four needs. You're going to have a hard time finding something to fight about. God, help me in here. I said you're going to find a hard time finding something to fight about because your needs are being met. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place, church? God gave man his presence before he gave him a woman. Can I help the men a second before we go? The next thing God gave man, watch this, before the woman was work. You need a job. I'm, I better. Before the woman, he gave her. You need a job. You trying to get a woman and you ain't got a job? First he gave him his presence. Then he told him, tend the garden. Work. Then he told them, before he gave him the woman, cultivate the garden. Before I bring her, you have to have a way to bring out the 
best in everything around you. So that when I bring her to you, you know how to bring out the, the best in her. Oh, I'm preaching better than you saying amen. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. Then he told him, watch this, guard the garden. In other words, you have to be the protector. I'm not going to give you something you can't protect. Listen, I'm her covering. The reason the Bible calls her the weaker vessel is not because she's, she's weak. It just means that God gave you a stronger frame so that you can protect her. I gave you muscle so that you protect her. I didn't give you muscle so you could abuse her. Oh, Jesus. That's why I made you that way. Woo. So, so watch this. You know the verse. The Bible says that God looked at the man and said, it's not good for man to be alone. But you really had to read all this out in context. Watch this. It's not good for man to be alone. Which man? The man that has his presence? The man who works? The man who knows how to cultivate? The man who's protecting? Oh, I left one out. He gave Adam the word about the tree. Because he has to lead her. Mm, Jesus. So watch this. It's not good for a man to be alone. Which man? The man who has his presence. The man who's working. Come on, somebody. The man who's cultivating. The man who's ready to protect. And the man, hallelujah, who has the word. It's not good for that man to be alone. But the man, <laughs> but the man that does not have his presence. The man that does not work. The man that's not cultivating. The man that's not willing to protect. The man that lacks word. He should be alone. It's good for that man to remain alone. Stand to your feet in this place. Listen. Let me get the musicians up here. Play something for me. We're going to close. Watch this. It's not good for man to be alone. Watch this. I'm going to make him, hear me now, a helper. A helper. A helper. Listen. Whenever a woman comes in the room, you have to understand help just got there. I said whenever a woman, a woman comes loaded, a woman comes equipped to help you accomplish whatever it is that God wants you to accomplish. She is a helper. She wears the same title as the Holy Ghost. The helper. The Holy Ghost won't do it for you. He will assist you. The woman's not supposed to do it for you. She is a helper. So watch this. Before God brings her, you have to have a vision. Because if you're doing nothing, a woman can't help you do nothing. 
She is a receiver. She is an incubator. Anything you give her, she multiplies it and then gives it back. God, help me. Anything you give her, she incubates it for a while, multiplies it, and then gives it back. You worried about your needs being met? Let me help you in here. You worry about meeting her needs. When you meet her needs, she will come back and take care of your needs. Are you following what I'm saying in this place? Oh, God, help me in here. Listen, she incubates it and then multiplies it and gives it back. That, that's, watch this. That's why if you give her a house, she gives you a home. You bring home food, she gives you a meal. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. You give her seed, she gives you a baby. She's an incubator. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? But if you're doing nothing, if you have no plan, no vision, she can't help you do nothing. Woo. Is your marriage flying on autopilot? Or is your marriage soaring? Priority. Pursuit, possession, purity, laws of marriage dynamics. Break them, it's going down. Keep them, it's going to soar. Major needs, major needs, security for her. Come on, somebody. Honor for him, non sexual affection for her, sexual affection for him. Communication for her. You know, most time women have an affair, it's not because of sex. That's proven statistically. Somebody's talking to them. Men is different. They're visually stimulated. Amen? They don't need to be romanced. Number three for man is kindred fellowship. Number four need for her is leadership. Number four need for him is domestication, home domestication. Amen? You get that? You're going to be all right. You receive it today? Come on, give the Lord a good hand clap today. I know it's late, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to come and equip you, hallelujah, so that you don't become a statistic. The devil is a liar. Do you not know 50%? 50%. This is not the world statistic. The world is worse. The world is probably at around 62% now. But even in the church... 50% of marriages don't make it. We're going to the wrong manufacturer for help. Hollywood is hypocritical. You watch a good movie on Hollywood, make you grab the Kleenex. But the lives of those people do not match what they're putting on the screen. They're acting. And they make it look good. And they base it off feelings. But Hollywood is riddled with divorce. Riddle with disease. God is the manufacturer. And marriage is his product. It's his product. Hallelujah. 
It'll work if you work it. Hallelujah. Lift those hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for today. I present every marriage in this house. Lord God, we just had a marriage seminar. You have been speaking to this church about marriage. Lord God, we want to be examples. We don't want to be statistics. We want our kids to look at our marriages and decide that's what I want. Hallelujah. So that we don't allow the world to confuse them. To get, hallelujah, parts from another manufacturer. And so, Father God, hallelujah, give us the strength today. We take these tools, hallelujah, and we embed them in our hearts and in our minds, hallelujah. And we work them. Because we know that if we work them, they're suspended on truth that comes from you, which is 100%. And so, Father God, bless every marriage in this house that has made a decision to come to church today. Strengthen them right now. Hallelujah. Make them fall in love all over again. In Jesus' name, amen.